एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं अक्षय हाय दिस इज सौरभ एंड यू आर लिसनिंग टू द फाउंडर थीसिस पॉडकास्ट वी मीट सम ऑफ द मोस्ट सेलिब्रेटेड सार्ट ऑफ फाउंडर्स इन द कंट्री एंड वी वॉन्ट टू लर्न हाउ टू बिल्ड यूनिकॉर्न Very few founders can claim to be as responsible for driving the e-commerce revolution in India as this guest. He started the last decade by setting up an e-commerce company focused on products for babies and children. By the time the decade ended, he had scaled his venture into a unicorn. In his next entrepreneurial avatar, he is supporting the next generation of e-commerce companies to solve the logistical pains. This guest is none other than Amitava Saha. He co-founded First Try in 2010 and then went on to create Express Bees in 2015. Listen to this insightful conversation between Amitava and Akshay Dutt about how to scale up business with a relentless focus on operational excellence. Was there like an entrepreneurial bug biting you in IIM or that happened later? No, I think I think entrepreneurship was not not uh... that much in vogue in, in 99 2001 although like you know a dot com dot com thing you know I'll, you know i heard some of the seniors saying you know i'm starting a dot com and not not in not in the campus though uh, some of the seniors uh, you know i remember i was doing my summers in delhi and uh, there was this you know freshers welcome party that used to happen you know where in different different cities the the freshers who were who had uh, it was a sort of alumni get together and freshers welcome hmm, hmm. like a mixer right hmm. yeah so 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 if if you have got admission in iim lucknow uh, you know you you joined the you were you were asked to join the freshers party there in that ye uh, alumni would also come in old batches and you have also the summer training so i met some of those guys i was i was in delhi doing my summers in barico and there i met some of the seniors were saying we are we are planning to start a dot com and so on so forth and but you know uh, my 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 family situation also very different my father retired uh, during the last year of my engineering college so i had to get into a job and when i uh, uh, quit my job to my mba i pretty much uh, took a bank loan uh, uh, because my father was also not working uh, there was a working member so i got some scholarships from iims and used some of my savings to pull through the college so uh, so my my intention was very clear you know, i had to you know, my family condition was that i had to go back to a job right right you had to pay off your loan yeah i had to pay off my loan uh, my, my parents were dependent on Uh, and then you know i i i went you know obviously my father had retired and he had the savings but you know the, the as i said he was in a government job throughout his life and uh, he he uh, you know he earned his uh, government so he his his all his savings and everything was was from the government salary you know so which was no it was not very sizable so only thing i think he had uh, Uh, managed well as this you know he bought a uh, land in calcutta and had built a house so uh, other, other than that the savings were pretty meager so i i needed to i had to go back to a job i was very clear so so i am so just a stop gap in between adding a qualification to your name but um, i was pretty much clear that i had to go back and join a uh, join a job So you joined NIT through like campus placements. Yeah, I I joined NIT Tech. So it was supposed to be a sales. Uh, it was supposed to be a sales uh, job. I was supposed to join. I was very clear, you know, uh, from day one. I was very clear. I wanted to be in tech, but uh, I was. Uh, uh, Once post joining IIMs, I was very clear I wanted to be in tech. Somehow I felt that tech was the field to be for future, uh, not FMCG, not marketing, not finance. Uh, but again, I was very clear I did not want to. Uh, I was not a techie by any many many any manner. I still can't write a single line of code. So I always wanted to join the business side of technology. 
So, so somehow that thing was very clear with me that, you know, I had to join business side of technology. I did not apply for a lot of, I, I applied for only few, few opportunities. You know, I, I, I remember I applying for Sapient, uh, and then, uh, I had uh, I had an offer from Rampus Systems uh, through through that something something called startup started called you know, had an entry placement so I got a job as a as a sort of I think a business analyst or senior business analyst in Rampus Systems and I had applied for NIT because they 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 were offering sales sales positions so I hadn't applied for any of the FMCG companies I hadn't applied for uh, any of the finance companies. Banking, right. Hmm. I, I somehow I was very clear I wanted to get on a technology and, uh, you know, I would, I, I would, I wanted to get into business side of technology, but since the business side openings were not, uh, not, not so, you know, there very, very few companies came with the sales opportunities. So, so I, I said, why don't I get into, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, a BA or a business analyst or a business consulting role, which would gradually, you know, I, 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 uh, and I said so in, in all the interviews, you know, some of them cross questioned me and said like, why don't you then join a sales and let her come to consulting? A lot of salespeople graduate consulting. Uh, maybe, maybe I now realize that you know, more, more those questions were trying to cross me and check what my thoughts were. But I was always, when I, somehow I was very clear that I wanted to join the business side of technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I joined NIT, and uh, and it was uh, you know I NIT picked me up for overseas sales. Okay, I was supposed to be uh, uh, you know I, I was supposed to be sent for overseas sales, and they said preferably I'd be sent to uh, Far East, Singapore. Okay, and uh, that was year two thousand one. Hmm. The 9-11 thing happened then. Yeah, no, even before 9-11, I think the markets were down. I think dot-com bust was happening. And and a lot of lot of my batchmates, uh, batchmates had a company, had com- companies differing their offers. When I, for example, my some of my batchmates who had, were supposed to join I2 from campus. I2 had come, you know, I2 pulled back all the offers. Uh, then a uh, lot of US offers were revoked, uh, 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 and or, or things were getting delayed. And uh, fortunately, NIT let us join on time, and then 9 11 happened. And uh, then obviously, you know, it was sort of a force majeure, and then you know, every, every company was looking at, at restructuring or, or you know, reworking the assets. And uh, uh, NIT also decided that you know uh, it would reduce the sales force in US, and and it was and and not only US and other parts of the world as well. So, so there were like you know uh, there were no chance for us going overseas. The fresh batch was hired. That got completely negated. So I was uh, so I was doing a very inter- I was doing an interesting job helping helping the head of Asia Pac uh, business. Uh, with overall managing and sort of PA to him and, and, and business planning and, and doing a little bit of uh, marketing and so on and so forth. But I wanted to do frontline sales, so I was, I was getting restless. And uh, so, bro, within a year, I think just after a year, I got an offer for frontline sales from a company called Future Software in Chennai. What was it that you were selling exactly? Like, what was the product? So, I used to sell uh, layer two, layer three switch. It was R and D product. So, uh, so, so we used to uh, sell to in Korea. You know, I would go and talk to various telecom SMEs and sell them the product on which they would make their enhancement and they would plan for you know bidding for making announcement on the base product they would plan to bid for Korea telecom tenders which would happen appear like so so this was 2003 uh, 2002 2003 that that I was doing so so they would buy the base product from us and build announcements and probably in 
uh, year down the line, year and a half down the line, they were planning to participate in a tender which Korea Telecom would take out for the switch they would launch in 2005. So it was it was a futuristic R&D telecom project. And NEC was another another one of my clients. So uh, uh, so Samsung, NEC, you know, and, and, and I think I think the very tough market to be if you're in telecom, uh, they're, they're both Korea and Japan are tough markets. Um, and and we were a pure uh, data when a routing software company so so it was uh, it was not all it was not a full stack telecom software for example cubes was a voice stacks voice stacks has much more demand in the market at that point of time than data stacks so we're a pure data stack company which was uh, which was a which was a more a much more difficult sell uh, and uh, so so it did well uh, but you know i at that point of time I, I wanted to join her. Uh, I, I was I was handling Korea market, I was Japan market, I was doing well, people right from Mr. Rami to all the seniors, everybody knew me. And of, uh, I, I cracked into accounts which which they have been trying to crack into for years, like Samsung, you know, they have been trying to get into Samsung for the last seven, eight years, they have not gone into Samsung. I got them into Samsung. And uh, so 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 I was I was very well regarded. Uh, Everybody knew me, and uh, but but you know, I was itching to get into a a, a sort of uh, a smaller setup where I could contribute more. Uh, it was you know it is at that point of time I I felt that you know I needed to get into something I need to get into a semi entrepreneurial startup some something in a semi entrepreneurial world. That's the first time I felt and. Uh, uh, and I was looking around, and then I uh, I figured out uh, about Brain Visa, uh, which was in Pune, uh, which was uh, which which was founded by Supam, who is currently my co-founder, uh, in two of the last two of my ventures. So uh, so Supam had founded, and, and I had a couple of my batchmates working in Brain Visa. What is Supam's backstory like? Yeah. Supam is IMA. Uh, I think uh, I think IMA '98. If I'm not wrong, then he worked for two uh, in Pepsi for a year or two, and then uh, in 2010, 2000, he launched Brain Visa. It was more of a test prep company at that point of time. So, so I think they were ahead of times. Test prep like career launcher and uh, all of these. No online test prep. So. So I think that the concept was slightly ahead of its time. So right now, for the last few years, it's it's online. But at that point of time, uh, the, they tried to do an online test prep. Uh, you know, they tried to do uh, you know more of a career launcher rather than career launcher. That IMS thing, online IMS. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. And this was for mainstream exams like CAT and IIT, JEE. So so there was there was no no classroom training it was a lot of exercise like you know basic some course material and, and a lot of exercise trying to do a b2c company and how did he fund this because uh, i am sure this would have needed funding to launch so yeah they had some funding from from some some seed funding guys uh, you know they 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 lost the money and then they pivoted to a b2b model b2b learning model once they pivoted to B2B e-learning model, you know, they never needed any money. So B2B e-learning as in like corporates, like giving corporates a e-learning platform. Corporates okay. e-learning and, platform. And just a platform or like platform with content? No, so it, it was it was a custom content development program project. Okay. 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 So like a turnkey solution. Yes. So initially they tried, they were doing B2C selling, B2C uh, content and then they Pivoted to a B2B uh, uh, custom uh, e-learning solutions, and uh, once uh, so in in the bargain they have lost all the money. Uh, the investors owned majority of the companies, uh, majority of the company. But once they pivoted, you know they never needed that. The company the company was generating its own cash. So 
So the investors put in money in some business model which did not work in first one one and a half years, and then the company went and it became very profitable. Hmm, hmm, hmm. And this was what Indian markets or uh, outside India? It was primarily overseas. So they started with doing some 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 project for LNG for tech and others. But uh, when I joined, they had uh, one client in uh, UK and they had one client in US. Uh, it was a very small company. You know, I I. Although I wanted to join an entrepreneurial startup, so but I my hmm. my thought process was look I started my career with Tata Steel, which is like a bear. and then uh, then I was in NIT Tech, which was at that point of time the fourth largest uh, software company in the country, uh, and then uh, and then you know uh, uh, Future Software, which was which was which was around I think. Uh, At that point of time, around 16 million, 16 to 18 million uh, run rate, and here I joined, uh, you know, uh, joined a company which was barely doing like 600,000 dollars or 700,000 dollars a year. So, so I, I had my, you know, it was, it was, it was slightly contrasting uh, thought, you know, uh, you know, contrasting. I, I would say. Uh, Contrasting positions for me. You know, I I wanted to join a startup. Uh, I wanted to, and and at that point of time, you know, one has to understand uh, that you know, startups are not that fashionable. Uh, I'm talking 2003. Startups are not fashionable, uh, and I was still like I needed to support my family. You know, I was not in a financial state state where I could take a risk. Uh, so 2003, you know, uh, so so I was uh, having my, but you know, I finally uh, took the, took the plunge. Supam used to call me every day, almost every other day. After I I he sent me the one letter. He used to tell me every day, "The Namitawa, you know, I'd love you to join." Uh, you know, would uh, you know? Because you know, when he asked me, you know, how much do you do? I said like, you know, this much. You know, I I felt like you know, I said. You know why is your company so small at two years? I said no, I prevented. I said he was asking me how long do you think will take. I said like you know we're at a very basic stage. You should be able to rapidly climb out because I I do X amount of business. You know as a sales guy, you have hired a couple of guys like me. You will get out of the woods in the next couple of days, next couple of year or two max. And uh, you know he knew that you know I was one of those guys who had. Who used to do a million plus uh, uh, dollars run rate of business every year, and you uh, know, and he used to tell me, Amitabh, you should uh, you should be absolutely sure because you know, uh, don't come and leave. If you if you it's okay if you tell me that you know you can't join and I will remain friends, but don't join and leave after two months three months because you know that would be be a very big shock to us. You know, we we it's it's difficult. We are a small company. We can't absorb that shock. So, so anyways, I I I joined and. Um, did you take a pay cut, uh, like, or did they match your salary? No, I, it was not a cut. They matched my salary. Uh, so, you know, uh, but two thousand three to two thousand seven, I think it was a, you know. We grew the company. I I was heading. This, I I uh, I started with Europe and then rest of the world. Uh, Supam used to manage US business and then I started managing. You know, uh, I was to handle rest of the world business. So uh, it was a it was a it was a it was a very very good ride. So so we had we took the company from six seven hundred k to uh, a turnover of ten million dollars in four years flat. And uh, and it was uh, you know it, the ten million dollars might not sound uh, too uh, very high right now, but uh, two things you know that was way back in two thousand seven, and second thing is e-learning was a very very small field out there, okay, but we were big daddy in e-learning globally, so we used to uh, I had clients like you know Nokia. I had clients like Vodafone, Deutsche Bank, Novartis, uh, and, and they were like you know, so so we had clients like UPS, Microsoft, 
uh, you know, even government clients. I had when I I had direct contract with Minister of Defence UK. Uh, London Corporation was one of my clients. So, and all these were headquarter relationships because e-learning was always controlled out of HO. So. So, so all these were like for I would I would work with Nokia at school in Finland. I would work with Novartis in Basel, out of the headquarters in Basel. I would work with Vodafone in Newbury, uh, Newbury headquarters of Finland. How did you become so good at sales? I mean, you know, to crack such tier one clients means you must have been very effective in doing like a in doing high ticket B two B sales. So you know, like uh, what were like your learnings on how to do? high ticket b2b sales i don't know i think it came pretty naturally to me so uh, i i was uh, you know, uh, i i was very i, I used to be very uh, uh, i used to value my time i used to prepare well i would think you know what would be the my value proposition i was very clear in defining value proposition both for me as well as a client and and if the, so you would do a lot of homework to figure out what is a good value prop. Uh, not a homework, but I would I would probably within the one hour meeting that I did, I used to do a very detailed meeting and 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 I used to meet a lot of people, and seventy percent or seventy five percent of them who I would not meet the second time. You know, I if if I was not clear on the value prop. I'll just politely say that you know, uh, you know, nice meeting. Well, let's keep in touch. I I wouldn't go back to the seventy. Rather, like eighty percent of them, I would not probably meet them second time. So once that I figured out, you know, the meetings clicked, and I had like you know, uh, we we feel we, we felt there was there was uh, value pursuing, and so I used to I used to you know obviously get into details and multiple meetings and then close it. So, uh, so yeah, so yeah, uh, so uh, very good, right? I think uh, Sequoia came in around 2005. They bought out old investors, so so it was Westbridge initially, uh, and then which became which Westbridge got acquired by Sequoia. So Sequoia joined our board. We uh, they put in some additional funds, although we're generating profits. We tried to acquire uh, companies in UK and US, and we looked at. The, the the largest or the biggest companies we had any learning areas in this in this in this industry and uh, just those geographies but we realized that you know those were still a, a small uh, relatively a nascent uh, market and and it would not give the quantum step jump that we we're looking for and in the meantime in 2007 we got a good uh, all cash offer from a US company so uh, we sold Brain Visa in 2007, and uh, we exited in 2009. So 2009 and both me and Supom exited Brain Visa in a, in a span of like I exited in 31st October, Supom exited on 31st of December, and uh, in 2010 September we launched first try. So that uh, nine to ten period, like what happened in that period? prior to the first cry idea like how how did you uh, how did that idea evolve you know so so you know we used to uh, set an idea to what to do next so by that time i know i i was in a relatively better financial condition than i was in like you know 2003 so in between that 3 years i was in london uh, since i was doing sales you know i did make uh, some good salaries and commissions plus you know there was uh, there was a little bit of money I put aside from from by from the sales. I was I was uh, uh, okay. I was the only non-founder to become the director of Brain Visa. So I was on their board. I had my ESOPs, not too much, little bit, uh, but yeah. So so I I had my ESOPs. So so made a little bit of cash from there. Uh, plus you know I I was based in London for three years. So so had. Uh, put together some money, although like I had my family around, but I, I was I was paid handsomely, or rather I decided my salary, and it was always a percentage of sales. So, uh, so uh, so yeah, I had in a better financial condition, and now this time I was I wanted after coming out of Brain Visa, 
I was sure that you know I I wanted to work for myself. Me and Super would just go sit, think, and ideate. So uh, so then that's where the first try uh, idea struck us because you know uh, during Brain Visa both of us like uh, both of us at that point of time had one daughter each and, and you know and uh, Super used to travel a lot. I was based in London and again post coming back from London or prior to London I used to travel a lot. So. For both of us, for our daughters, we brought in a humongous amount of stuff from uh, OCs. Whenever we used to travel, we used to carry something back. And we realized something as simple as Johnson. Uh, in India, you have probably, you know, one lotion, one oil, one, uh, uh, one moisturizer, not a moisturizer. You get one lotion, one oil, one powder, one shampoo. And, uh, you know, if you just go west or even if you go to Singapore, you have so many types of lotions, moisturizers, dry skin, oily skin, nighttime, daytime, part-time, you know, you know the, the, even Johnson's was the range was much, much wider. And and and, and obviously there are other a lot of other products which you did not get in India at all. So so we, we realized that you know this is one one area and 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 uh, we knew obviously India was uh, uh, we knew that India was was a country which which produced the maximum number of babies, and although like a lot of them would not have the purchasing power, but you know even if it were a percentage, that was a huge one. And uh, that's that's how the idea of first cry came to us. Of the uh, and 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 we we uh, we we launched first cry in September 2010. We worked. So was was the plan to uh, like retail irrespective of online offline or was it clearly e-commerce? No, it was e-commerce. It was e-commerce. You know, it was more clearly omni-channel. So we were very clear from day one. We'll start off as online, but we'll also have our offline franchise stores. So so September we 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 took a bungalow and on. Then we started like uh, me and Supam, uh, you know. The, I think if I remember it right, I think it was 9th September or something like that. Uh, I still don't, I don't remember the date, date exact date. Now I think it's 9th or 10th September. So people in first drive would probably know it better. Uh, uh, I, 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 I slightly don't remember. I think it's 9th or 10th of September. So uh, we, we took, uh, we took a hire, we took a bungalow in, in, in uh, Pune. And we started working. We created a small. We hired four five people. We created a small studio out there for clicking of photographs. Uh, there was one finance guy whom I had interviewed on a roadside tea stall. You know, he used to work for a franchisee in, in a franchisee of I think Levi's or somebody in India in in uh, So uh, anyway, put together a small team. Started within like you know. Uh, it was it was a two bungalow complex. Within like one month, we, we hired the bungalow behind us and used it as a warehouse. Uh, so we had internally set ourselves a milestone that we need to get out of this place by six months. We should outgrow this place by six months. And uh, within six months, we we outgrew that place in three months. So, uh, but uh, like, was the focus initially that you were building a like a digital interface and all that? Or was it like you have to go out and find a lot of good products which are not in India and import them and make them available? No, our, our first our first objective was, was to put together a good assortment. Okay, because we realized that, you know, going around a little bit in Pune and others, we realized the shops which were doing well in Pune at that point of time was the one which had an assortment. Simple, but I, I, I think one of the thing is if you if you if you have a good assortment, the mothers or the parents would flock there because otherwise going to a small shop or mom and pop store or even if thousand, two thousand square feet, the assortment level was pretty meager. So so we said we said we wanted to put together a good assortment. So so we studied a couple of uh, top uh, stores of Pune, bigger stores, top five stores of Pune in babies and kids. And we, we made a list of, 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 and obviously we looked at diapers.com was there in US at that point of time. We looked at Amazon and, and we said, okay, we, we, we designed the categories. We decided, we looked at what kind of products, we, which are the catalogs, which are the 
product category sub categories we wanted and uh, we launched it okay uh, so we had some back to how, how did you uh, uh, get all the assortments like you had to like find the vendors and convince them and uh, and did you initially we tied up with one or two stores in pune with whom we agreed that you know they send the assortment to us uh, or or they would give us the assortment at 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 uh, certain margins you know we said will since you are bulk buying from you you would give me say you might be getting 20% of the mrp you give me 5% of the mrp or something like that so we used to and we are very clear you know because the assortment was here we said we want the products in our in our warehouse so we don't want it that after we get the order that was the most what most other people were doing you know as soon as they got the that's how flipkart was doing as soon as they got some get got an order they would send run somebody to daryaganj or something pick up the book uh, we are a couple baby boy who was pretty much trying to drop ship but we said that you know we would want the product that's why we set up our own photo studio as well in that bungalow we had a photo studio we had a small content team which would write the description so we had a three member content team of writing the description and 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 a small photo studio we had everything all we have thought through we said we want to do it will not copy the content will not uh, you know obviously you know Uh, you might not right find the right photograph or the quality of photographs in 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 the website of of the manufacturer could be very very poor and shoddy. So we said we will uh, click our own photo, edit our photos, and write our content and 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 uh, and, and put up put it up uh, through our in our own website through our internal mechanism. So so yeah so so we we that's how we started first try. Within six months, we launched our first store in Surat. and uh, and um, why surat like why not pune only we wanted a we wanted a franchisee based uh, approach and we're talking to people and the first person to agree was the person in surat uh, so so we used to get a once we started and we said we are looking for franchisees looking at the assortment a lot of people used to ping us they wanted a franchise again uh, it established one thing very clearly if you have a good assortment if you have a winning case study in babies and kids so so then uh, how much did you do in the first year like 10 11 uh, like what did you end the year at in terms of your turnover i don't remember honestly it's so far back i remember when we had uh, first day when we get 10000 rupees of sale i think after uh, starting off Uh, I think with after 10-15 days, we first day we get 10,000 rupees. We're very happy. Wow. So I don't remember the turnover at the end of the first year. I I remember doing so. So during that during that period, I think, uh, and we used to carry the customer care phones. Okay. Okay. So we 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 wanted to know how the customer felt, and and so one day in the evening, I had a. Uh, I had a call from Saf Partners on on the customer care phone. Okay. <laughs> saying we we are Saf Partners and obviously we know who Saf Partners were, but uh, they said would like to speak to the founders. I said yeah, I'm one of the founders, and uh, so the coincidentally the person who made the call was Mukul Arora, who is current currently the uh, one of the senior partners of of, of uh, Saf, which has now become Elevation. So that was that was Mukul has just joined Saf. And uh, Mukul made that call to me. Uh, I remember around four thirty-five in the evening, and uh, and then we got started getting contacted by others, couple of others as well. Then we realized what happened. We because you know we had not hit the market. Uh, we had a seed, a little bit of seed fund. Baby Way was 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 trying to uh, had had formed that deck, and they have hit the market trying to raise funds. And and uh, and. And by the nature, you know, they were they were approaching people, and and people would find our first cry, and then then they they contacted us. And I think people liked our processes and other things. So so whoever came and talked to us, uh, so so everybody was interested in investing in us. Uh, so so we had something like five to six offers for CDC, and. Uh, and it happened like without us planning for it so like i think 
Sam was the first to call and then within like two to three weeks everybody had come. And a lot of people had come, talked to us, met us. When we started first try, the babies and kids market was very unstructured on the supply chain side. And uh, that's how, you know, so I think we had bring a lot of structure in that market as well because, you know, we had create some large vendors and we did it out of our own interest as well because we felt that was necessary for us as well as for the industry. And, uh, and along the way, what happened was, you know, we realized that, uh, you know, our, 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 our customers were young moms who needed a good, who needed a good logistic service. And, um, and although like in those days, those initial days, uh, delivery and e-com express existed, uh, but you know, the service levels are not up to the mark. And, uh, we had Blue Dart as well, and we had First Flights, Aramax and others. So we, uh, out of necessity, we decided that we would have our own logistics. And so uh, which year did you decide this, like to create in-house? So. Two years after after the venture, we decided we, we wanted we'll start off with our own logistics, and uh, and end of twenty thirteen, uh, early twenty fourteen, uh, is is I got approached by some of my good friends who were also like you know all the other e-commerce founders were good friends of ours because you know and some of them were also uh, young parents, and uh, some of them were prolific shoppers from first try. So they had a first-hand experience of uh, what we called ourselves in First Cry Express. So, so they used to order in in the uh, in the morning or early afternoon, and the packet would be with them by the evening. And uh, they they approached me and said, you know, would you mind doing it for us as well? We really like your service. We really like your service. And and at that point of time, we we're just serving in eight uh, top cities in the country. And uh, my only selfish interest at that point of time was, okay, if this guy is also, you know, if I carried shipments for, say, Snapdeal or a Paytm or, or, or Shop Blues, those are the three people who had approached me, uh, you know, I, at least I can extend my service from 8 to maybe 20, 25 cities. And, and I would be able to extend... Uh, a better quality of delivery service to first cry customers in 12 additional cities that was my only thought process and the cost would probably come down because of volumes yeah cost would come down. no from okay another thing is from day one when we started the logistics my a mandate or, or the band i target i set for myself was very clear i would uh, there will be zero capex Okay, and I had to manage within the budget that I would I have I had to deliver the packet within the amount I would give it to Blue Dot or Aramax. Okay, without so in those times so so in the first what we did was we used to serve Delhi out of say just one one office entire Delhi. Now you know it would not make so we had an office in Bridgewasan warehouse in Bridgewasan first cry warehouse. We had a small corner of the first cry warehouse from where we would launch our deliveries. Now, I can't expect the entire Delhi people to become or, or my entire staff, delivery staff to come to Bridgewater and pick up the load and go and deliver, right? It would become very inefficient. What we used to do is we used to create bags in the night, put it onto a vehicle and there used to be a supervisor who would go around the Delhi. And my boys would assemble at different parts of Delhi. Different, say, maybe somebody would come in Rohini, somebody would come in Saptaj Enclave. The vehicle would start at 4.35 in the morning and then, you know, you'd go down picking and dropping the loads and it would end in Mayuria. The other vehicle probably would start from Gurgaon and, you know, dropping the load in the northern Saket and all those places and would end somewhere. And there's to be supervisor in the vehicle and then after dropping the loads, you know, there's to be some larger shipments like prams and other things, you know. So the supervisor would go around delivering the prams uh, and other bigger stuff. And in the evening, when the boys would come back, and the number of shipments were not very high, the boys would come back maybe within two to two and a half, three hours. He would collect back all the shipments, undelivered shipments, and cash and come back. Hmm. Okay. So, so you managed to keep it pretty lean that way, like the costs are pretty lean. Yeah, yeah. My my objective was, you know, okay, 
logistics cost was always reported above your gross margin. And we used to, and, and First Cry was continuously raising funds and we used to disclose our gross margin figures to our investors every week. So, so we had to, like, even if I bought a chair and a table for people to sit on, I would expense that off. I'll not take it into asset. Simple chair and table, three thousand rupees. So put a put a cost of three thousand rupees in in the weekly sheet, and and you know, and even that three thousand rupees should like match up to to whatever costs we're giving to Buddha and other banks. Fortunately, what saved us that during those times was the logistics loss were pretty high by current standards. So you know, so we could. Uh, that's how we started, and uh, then you know, uh, this three. Um, Paytm, Snapdeal, and Shopkos came through in 2014, uh, 2013 end, uh, 2014 beginning. We worked with them for a year. At end of 2014, early 2015, all of them came back and said, you know what, as far as service quality is concerned, you are the best guy on the block, but you are very small. So if you stay, uh, we can put more business your way. And that's how, like, you know, I, I went and talked to Supam and then we went and talked to Board. Board was not very happy initially because, you know, uh, half the first cry was reported to Supam and half into me. So I was looking, I was responsible for not only logistics, I was, I was responsible for the entire fulfillment piece, the warehouse operations, um, the offline stores of first cry, HR, and, and a couple of other functions, corporate functions. So, 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 the, so, you know, a lot of investors felt that you know we should. Uh, uh, some of our investors felt that I should continue focusing on first cry, but some of the investors who had seen me build this logistics piece and heard about good things on the market, they were very interested. So it took some time to convince others. So by 2015, uh, met is when we decided that we'll spin off Express Piece. So we mirrored the cap table, and I started Express Piece. And okay. Yeah. So, uh, what were like? Did the warehouses go to Express B? Like, how did you split the logistics infrastructure of First Cry? So warehouses are still with First Cry. So only, only, only the the last mile delivery centers were kept with Express B's. So we are we are we are very asset light anyway. As I said, we would expense of everything. We had zero capex. So so there was. Very, very, there was almost no assets except some chairs, tables, and computers. All the offices were leased. So, so that's how I started Express Bees, and then uh, 2015. Now it's five years in Express Bees. You know, I think Express Bees today is one of the largest logistics companies in the country. Okay. Okay. Like, you know, like, can you give an idea again of the trajectory, like in 2015, when it was uh, spun off into an independent identity, like what was, what were the numbers like, it could be like number of deliveries or the top line or the headcount or whatever, and, and how it grew over the years. So, so when we spun off in 2015, we were typically doing around 20, 25,000 shipments per day. And today we do around uh, seven and a half uh, lakh shipments per day. Wow. Okay. Okay. Five years. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And uh, your uh, you said you cover about twenty six hundred uh, cities and towns in India. So twenty six hundred cities and towns spread across or throughout the country. So we we deliver everywhere in the India except Lakshadweep. Including Andaman Nicobar, so right from Kashmir uh, to, to to Kashmir to Kanyakumari, there from west Gujarat to Arunachal Pradesh in the east, uh, including all the seven sisters. Uh, as I said, except Lakshadweep, we including Andaman and Nicobar, we deliver everywhere. Okay, okay, and. Uh... Do you like uh, continue to have that asset light kind of a model where everything is largely leased and uh, it's, it's it's the same okay. philosophy which is continued. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Okay. So where would you put uh, Express Bees in like the overall logistics uh, space? You know, just to help listeners understand, like 
is it comparable to delivery or uh, the other companies like ecom express and what are the differences between them uh, are they similar types of setups or are they focusing on different parts of the market and uh, you know if you could just like yeah so we delivery and ecom express are competitors so size wise we and ecom express are pretty close delivery is slightly bigger than us so we are a fairly large size company so and uh, and uh, by organizational design uh, obviously each of them has its own nuances because you know uh, each organization is set up separately the design structure is separate but we essentially address similar markets where we say you know we do primarily e-commerce deliveries and right now both uh, i think ecom express is not uh, getting there but you know both delivery and us we are focusing on b2b as well so we have we have started entering uh, the b2b market and i believe you know similar to what we did in e-commerce delivery using technology to bring about efficiency and bringing uh, bringing down the cost we would be able to do a similar stuff in in b2b deliveries as well okay so e-commerce business is what you uh, receive uh, it at a certain point in the city and then inside that city delivering it from that point to no, the customer's we, house that we can, is... we can pick up anywhere in, in india and deliver to anywhere in india so so we can pick it up in surat and deliver in agartala pick it up in uh, uh say uh, say say bombay and and deliver in in jammu and kashmir uh we, we can we can pick up shipments from so we are an end to end logistics supplier so a service provider so we can uh, we, we can pick up pretty much from anywhere into anywhere anywhere we also do warehousing one of the very interesting things about a warehousing is we have the omni channel technology so so we can help you do online and offline uh from from the same warehouse from the same stock pool uh which sounds easy but technologically it's quite difficult challenging not many companies have, can do it in india so what does that mean like a company could use your services for both sending the inventory to its retail stores and directly delivering to the customer absolutely okay okay and when you say that you are now increasing your focus on the b2b segment can you describe what you mean by b2b segment b2b are the traditional businesses uh, traditional businesses like you know uh, b2b uh, b2 we are focused on b2b express business as we call it so moving goods from from the manufacturers or factories to the to the distributors or to the warehouses or larger warehouses smaller warehouses we serve some we serve almost all the leading pharma names in the country we serve some all the leading uh, fashion houses uh, uh, and we also uh, work with you know, uh, you know these are like you know we aditya birla group we tata group we reliance we uh, uh, all the leading pharma names and pharmaceuticals uh we work with all of them hmm, hmm, hmm. so this would be like a bulk goods movement like you would be moving a whole truckload at a time as opposed to the e-commerce business which is more of individual packets or a, or a part truckload yes hmm, 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 hmm. okay got it okay okay and uh, so i mean since you are uh, no longer in first cry but uh, is the equity table the same like you continue to have stake in both companies equally like both you and supam or is it like a, a like a Yeah, split I, I, up I, now that I'm still on the board of First Cry. Supam is on the board of Express Bees, so so yeah, I I hold equity in First Cry. Hmm hmm hmm. Okay, okay. So how do you see technology influencing uh, the logistics business? Do you see stuff like IoT and maybe drones and things like those changing how this business is happening? Like you know, what's your forecast on? where the business will be 5 years down the line in terms of technology like what what are like the disruptive technologies that can uh, shake up this market so you know it's it's uh, technology we are a tech tech led logistics company so technology will play a very important role i think uh, you know iot and others are while while that is there a lot of work can be done using the technologies available today to make things more efficient in logistics simple uh, you know how do you how do you route a shipment how do you uh, the challenge of finding an address in india 
you know we indians you know we indians write address in a very different manner than the rest of the world does right the rest of the world write a zip code first and as soon as you write a zip code it would narrow down to like six to seven doors and you then select the door and rest is auto filled in india you find like you know you will find addresses like uh, like the lane next to lakshmi hardware uh <laughs> landmark based ha two doors after sai baba mandir and all those things and uh, and uh, in, in, there's a good chance there's there's a good 8 to 10% chance if you're on a if you're on a boundary pin code where like you know uh, the pin code could be either your area or your neighboring area as well or could be could be absolutely wrong as well so so yeah uh so the challenges in 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 indian logistics is very very unique and and use of technology is is is, a, is what will help you predict a lot of things bring in efficiency bring down the costs hmm so you're saying there's an information problem like the quality of information available it's not only inf- information problem it is how you use technology to ensure better efficiency reduce the number of sorts reduce the number of scans uh, you know for example in e-commerce okay uh the way it is designed there is absolutely no pen and paper in any of the operations so so everything is automated everything is through the system we do not use pen and paper at all in any of my offices you know we have around you know as i said we 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 have around 2000 plus offices and uh, so more than 2000 we have around close to between uh, so totally around 20 to 2300 offices and 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 we do not have pen and paper we don't need a pen and paper we do have printers you know some printers but everything is on the system or automated even the run sheet for example when the boys take out the shipments from delivery it it it, it goes into into their mobile phone so so it is about how do you bring in and that's just one part of it eliminating paper that's rather simple thing but you know how do you route a shipment how do you look at how do you dynamically route a shipment based on the efficiency based on the situation you know how in which shipment goes in which bag that's where the technology comes into play so that was amitava talking about how he scaled first cry and express bees if you run an e-commerce business that needs to get better with logistics check out expressbees.com that's x p r e s s b e e s.com you like the founder thesis podcast then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing technology career advice books and drama visit the podium.in that is t h e p o d i u n .in for a complete list of all our shows